good stuff, isn't it? We've got uh, we've got this series called Jesus the Game Changer, and um, there's a whole bunch of videos just like that. That's actually just a bunch of experts. I've just uh, excerpts. I've just pulled up a bunch of things out of the first video that I think would be really helpful for us this morning to unpack the beginnings of it. But if you want to pick up this broader series, we've we've got videos aplenty available. You could gather with groups. You could gather in your family. You could do it in your life groups, whatever. But you know, grab those videos and watch some more of them. Um, so just thinking about this idea of Jesus the game changer, I've wondered if you've ever been watching a movie and you're, you're in the midst of the movie and you are like, how are they ever going to wrap this up in 22 and a half minutes and bring it to a happily ever after? This movie needs a game changer. You know, or maybe you've been watching sport, maybe you were watching... No, I won't go to sport. Anyway... <laughs> I don't want to upset anybody in the room. I don't want to, you know, or maybe you're in the midst of the game of life and you are like, what is going on here? Something needs to change. This needs a circuit breaker right now because I cannot see how this is going to stay stay on a safe, healthy and flourishing trajectory. This life I am in needs a game changer. I wonder if you've ever been in that place. Uh, you know, life can throw a whole lot of things at us. It can throw rough trackles. It can throw blind sides. Uh, it can throw a whole lot of unfair things at us. And the reality is, is life is messy and life is tricky. Uh, and I guess you just have to watch the news to find that. Actually, you could probably just turn to each other and share each other's stories and find out that life is difficult and messy and tricky and that our lives do indeed need a game changer. But what I want to do with this series of Jesus the Game Changer is take it out from being an individual game changer like it was for Ken. Jesus was a game changer for Ken and bring it right up to kind of like a macro level and put to you the idea that I think Jesus is the game changer in the universe, in the world at large, in life at large. He's actually, yes, an individual person's game changer, but he actually came to change a much bigger scenario than an individual's life. So I want to take you to a couple of places. The first one is the Greco-Roman woman. The life of a woman back in these days, back in the time that Jesus entered into when he first walked the earth, what, what did a woman face? Uh, and and this, this blows my mind because I've been doing a fair bit of research lately. It was not a good story. Basically, a woman was like a possession. You know, a woman didn't have a right of her own. She was actually ranked quite lowly in the world. And in fact, there's this, uh, I'm just going to give a little warning. This is not pretty. This is not nice. This is um, an extract of a letter um, from the Emperor Augustus. It's a letter to his wife, basically saying, hope the pregnancy goes well, honey. If it's a boy, keep. If it's a girl, don't. Because girls were just not valued. Boys were valued and girls were not. And if you go back and look at the history, historically, males outnumbered females quite considerably and that's not what the biologists would suggest should have happened. But they were actually not keeping all of the female babies. Okay? So, you know, bad start to begin with. Um, this, uh, this next one... Oh, not that one. I'll come to the next one in a moment. The, the whole idea that, that young girls were married off um, as quite young teenagers to much older men was very, very common. And what happened to that young woman when she got married is she became that person's chattel, that person's possession, just kind of part of their household possessions and didn't have a right of her own. The third thing that made it really tricky being a woman in this age and stage 
uh, is that a woman's testimony in court didn't mean anything. She, if she had a grievance, she couldn't go to court and put her case. She needed a man to go and put the case for her because a woman's word in court is not worth anything. That's not ideal, is it? Enter Jesus. I'll take that away because that's not a happy document. Enter Jesus. I actually think that, yes, Jesus came to save people's lives, but Jesus came to change the world at large. He entered into the world as a human, and one of the first things he did was he started teaching. There's a beautiful story in the Bible, and it's Mary and Martha. You, you may know the story. Mary and Martha. Martha's busy doing the dishes and getting the food ready. and she No, yeah, Martha is in the kitchen, and she comes out, and she says, Jesus... It is just wrong that Mary is sitting at your feet and listening and learning. She should be busy in the kitchen. And I kind of get that. I get where she's coming from. But when I went back and read that story again in the light of what I just told you about women, it's utterly profound because Jesus said, Mary at my feet, well, that's allowed. And who sits at a teacher's feet? Who sits at the teacher's feet? The student, the disciple, a woman is allowed to learn, says Jesus. And that's enormous. The the other thing that I looked at is in Jesus' life, the first person who sees him when he's resurrected, so he dies on a cross and then he comes back to life and he comes out of the tomb. Who is the first person he appears to? A very credible witness who's got the right to speak in court. No, it's a woman. And it's not like he burst out of the scene, burst burst out of the cave and onto the scene and went, oh, I should have been a bloke. Because a woman's got no right to testify. A woman's got no right to be like a legal witness. But he didn't. I reckon he chose that on purpose because he came as the game changer for women in the world. Not just an individual woman like Marnie but a game changer for women at large in the world. He said, well, these are the values of women? No, I'm going to turn that on its head. And he turned it on its head utterly and in a big, big way. The other thing is a bit later on um, in some of Paul's teaching, who we'll hear about in a moment, he actually has this instructions, husband, love your wives like Christ loves the church. That's a really complex little thing and a whole other talk in itself. But again, it's talking about this idea of women are equal. Women have an equality in the world. And Jesus came to proclaim that. And it's huge. Um, I think next week, Steve's going to talk about the inherent value of every individual. Jesus came to bring that change as well. So one of the upshots of this amazing thing is that a couple of weeks ago, I got to head on up to Parliament House and be part of a Baptist delegation that kind of marched the halls of Parliament and sat down and spoke with MPs and senators and important decision makers in the world today. And I had the right to say what I think. It's huge. I had the right to tell them what I believe about being a good neighbour in the world today, globally. I had the right to tell them whether I think there's enough funding going towards crisis accommodation for women in domestic violence. And my voice was heard and validated, and it was amazing. And I think that's because Jesus is a game changer in the world at large. There's a second way this morning. There's loads of ways Jesus is a game changer. But the the next one I want to talk about is, uh, is this idea of humility. Okay, so here's something interesting. Humility did not appear to exist pre Jesus. Okay, so there's this document, it's called the Delphic Canon. It's from 6th century BC, so well before Jesus even came on the scene. 
And uh, basically, it was a list of 146 amazing, important virtues that a human being should have if they're going to be the best they can be. 146 virtues about your ethical way you should live your life. And they're like inscribed on temples and walls and stone tablets and all that kind of stuff everywhere. And not one of them has got anything to do with humility. That's crazy. Not one of them's got anything to do with humility. This is another document. I'm sorry that you can't read that, but you just kind of have to trust me. I can't read it either. Google said so, though. <clears throat> this is another one. So this is, um, this is called The Achievements of the Divine Augustus. So this guy decided that he would write all of his achievements because he was amazing and he wrote them in a great big long list and he had them carved on bronze pillars and he had them carved on stone tablets and distributed throughout the land and he had them carved on every temple that he could find in his whole land to tell of his great achievements because back then humility, being humble and just doing good wasn't valued. It wasn't an important virtue. Um, the most important virtues were things like, um, you know, honour and respect. Enter Jesus. He's come on the scene to this place where, you know, humility was, they were kind of sceptical about it. Like you could be humble before a god because, let's be honest, they could kill you. Or humble before an emperor because they could kill you. But humility in life was not, that was weird. And that was a strange thing. And yet Jesus comes into this world and walks into a room full of people, a room full of people with stinky feet, and says, where's the person who's going to wash all the people's feet? Because back in those days before you reclined for a meal, someone washed your feet so that you could actually enjoy the meal, I guess. And what did Jesus do? He wrapped a towel around his waist and he kneeled down and he washed the feet of every single person in that room. I wonder what the people were doing, like really, in a culture where humility wasn't, it wasn't cool, it was, it was weird and it was a strange thing and in fact you were weak if you were humble. Jesus came and he turned that whole thing on its head. So he didn't just change the game for a person, he changed the game in the world at large. And even more than that, just washing people's feet, that, that might sort of influence a value in a culture but Jesus actually changed the game in a much bigger way uh, in that he humbled himself to a degree that no human had ever humbled themselves uh, on a cross. But before that, he had actually humbled himself enough to come into life as a human being. So there's a beautiful Christmas pageanty story thing um, that I've watched on YouTube, and I really love it. Some of you may have seen it. We've shown it here a long time ago. But it's that, you know, God is up kind of like being acted by a bunch of kids up in heaven, and he's got his spyglass, and he's looking down theoretically at earth, and all the angels around him, all the other children, and he's like, oh, it's just a mess down there. What am I going to do? You know? And the end of the story is that Jesus, the Prince of Heaven, says, I'll go. And one of the cute little angels over to the side goes, that's great, they won't be expecting that. Because it's true. Like what great God is going to humble himself and become a human, in fact become a human baby and then a child and then a worker and an adult in a human body with dirty feet and dusty and blisters on their hands he actually demonstrated the utmost of humility in doing that and then when he looked at the people and he said I'll die for them um, he changed the game in terms of humility
I guess um, back at the beginning when I talked about this idea of um, Jesus not just being the game changer for an individual person but being the game changer for the world at large um, and I talked about the fact that life is tricky. Life is tricky and messy and difficult and you get blindsided. There's a whole lot of things going on. The reality is, is that is life and in order for Jesus to be the game changer, we needed an incarnation, a crucifixion and a resurrection. An incarnation. We needed God to come and be fully human and live among us and live our life. We needed a death on the cross and we needed a resurrection. That life, that death conquering resurrection. That's what it took to change this game. And that's enormous. So that, you know, there's lots of good principles in life where we can read a good self-help book. But Jesus is the actual game changer in life. Except after all that, he is actually also doing it through individual changes of life, through individual people and changing individual people's lives like Ken and like Marnie. And in a few moments, we're going to hear from Carolyn as well and in mine. That's one of the major ways he does it is he stands up and says, no, there's different values. No, there's a different way to live. No, there's a different way for this world to operate. But I'm going to do it by changing individuals' lives. There's a great story. Uh, About the same time, a bit after Jesus, so we've got the Greco-Roman world happening and Jesus has come into that and he's speaking into that situation and there's a bloke called Saul. And he is persecuting people. He is smashing them out. He is putting them in prison and he's dragging them off and having them put to death. He's a Jewish guy and he does not like this new movement of Jesus. He does not like this new movement that says all people are equal. He does not like this new movement that says women are of value. He does not like this new movement that says humility is really good and really important. He doesn't like it because it's threatening his own powers and the powers of his mob and his people. He's one of the very few people for whom this system was actually working. And so he goes to the powers that be of the day and he says, look, you know, I want to go up to this other town and I've heard there's people following Jesus up there and I want to, I want to get rid of them. I want to throw them in prison. I want to have them killed. I want to have them put to death. And he was angry and he was cross and he was on the war path. And they gave him letters and they said, yep, you go. And he's got his letters. He's got them tucked into his pack and he's on the way and he's on this road and he's on his way. And this is the road to Damascus. And he is set. He knows exactly what he's going for. And in my mind, when I think of Saul on the road to Damascus, he is walking in slow motion with scary music. You know, like he is a scary guy. And as he's walking along this road with determination in his eyes, something amazing happens. A great light stops him in his tracks and he falls to his knees. This is what it says in Acts 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. That's great, isn't it? Against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? He asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. 
He replied, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? That's a game-changing moment for a guy who's set in his ways and knows exactly where he's going. And that's what can happen with people, that something can change, something can twig. And it might, it might happen in a bolt of lightning in one moment or it might happen over a course of time where you actually realise that God has said to you, I want to be the game-changer in your life. So this, I'll go on in the story. A little bit further along, he's gone off into a town and God has said to somebody in that town, okay, Ananias... I want you to go to Saul and I want you to explain to him what's happened. I want you to tell him what's going on with him and I want you to tell him to live a life for Jesus. And Ananias is smart. He's not stupid. He says, heck no. No way, I won't go. No, no. Because I know Saul. He smashes people out. He persecutes people. He puts them in prison. He's killing them. It's bad. I will not go to him. And God says the following words. Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And so Ananias went. And this guy, Saul, became who we now know as Paul. I mean, he's written half of the Bible that we read every day. He went on to plant church upon church upon church upon church upon which our church is now founded. That guy Saul, whose eyes were set in anger and murderous thoughts, suddenly had a game changer fall into his life and he went on to live a life that changed the world, that utterly changed the world. This lady, her name is Comely. So the one in the white hat, this is Comely. Uh, she's in Laos and she is a lovely, lovely woman. And one day she had an encounter with Jesus and she actually realised that, that Jesus wanted her to do something for him. So she works in Laos. She lives and works in Laos. She runs this whole amazing ministry of uh, helping people to grow mulberry trees and raise silkworms and harvest silk and weave silk and sell silk products. And it's lifting people out of poverty. It's utterly lifting people out of poverty. And in fact, the Lao government has gone to her and said, we've got, we've got areas in our nation that need help. Will you come? If we give you free land, will you come and start this project there? So she starts it here in the south. She starts it there in the west. She starts it there in the east. All over Laos. This woman has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize for her work that she's done because she has utterly changed the nation of Laos. Um, and she changes people's lives as well. So I'm going to wrap up and I'm going to invite Carolyn up in a moment because I've got two things I want to say. Jesus came to change the world, to, to, to tip it on its axis and change its entire value system. That was God's plan from the very beginning. He knew he was going to do this and Jesus was going to be the mechanism through which he did it. But the main thing that he does is he changes people's lives so that they can go on and be game changers themselves. That's why, because Jesus came, changed the game, and you might say, yeah, but he left. Yes, he might have left physically, but he left behind the spirit 
and the people. And the people go on and continue to change the game in the world. So, um, Carolyn, why don't you come up, up? I've asked Carolyn to share her story because I, I want there to be no mistake at the end of this series that Jesus is absolutely the game changer. Um, and so my questions for you are, do you need Jesus to change the game in your life? Or if he already has, do you need to allow him to use you as a game changer in the world for him? Thanks, Carolyn. Thank you. As I look at uh, a life of 48 years now walking this planet, I can identify three really pivotal moments in my life that were absolutely game-changing and I'd just like to share those with you briefly. The first and the most important one was uh, the moment that I really came to understand who Jesus is and what he'd done for me. So I grew up with some contact with church sporadically through my life. My parents didn't go to church regularly but they did take us to church at Christmas time and so every year I sort of got the dose of good old uh, Christmas church. I went to a school uh, in my later years that um, did a bit of Bible stuff as well but it was pretty dry, crusty and dead so I really struggled with all of this. I had various other bits and cod pieces but couldn't put it all together so I came out of my school years and went into university and really into that whole normal life of popularity and parties and nightclubs and success and boys and the rest of it and I've got to say through those years until I was 21 I really struggled to reconcile myself that this was all there was and that this was enough for me there was always a conflict there was a something missing so uh, at the ripe old age of 21 I decided I had to find and resolve once for all whether God was really real so I literally kind of prayed this prayer because I didn't really pray much or know or feel that I was even worthy able to do that I just said God if you're real you have to show me and at that time my grandma was living in a retirement village the retirement village had a church in front of it and I literally walked in off the street one morning scrunched up my courage and walked in off the street as a complete stranger and an unknown to this church and it was a game changer it really was in that morning I can remember it was like a light bulb had switched on and instead of scary and irrelevant stuff being heard up the front of a church, I heard about things that made sense to me. It was like I understood for the first time things that were life-giving and I understood forgiveness for the first time. Now, it didn't all happen in that one morning, um, but as a result of that, I became connected with an amazing church community and I found Jesus for myself. Instead of just a whole pile of laws and do's and don'ts and scary stuff, I found a living faith and it made a world of difference. Fast forward a couple of years, I'm now 24 and I'm looking for a guy and I kind of given up hope that there was any really good ones left. <laughs> My parents had thought I'd joined a cult when I became a, a believer. They thought I'd gone a little bit excessive and uh, yeah, that was another challenge but um, I had decided for myself that the guy that I was going to be looking for faith was at the top of my shopping list and I talk a lot to my uh, kids and anyone who wants to hear my story about a shopping list of character qualities that I was looking in looking at in a life partner I had lots of great things like integrity and you know uh, somebody who's really intelligent and funny and all those lovely things but at the top of my list the deal breaker was it had to be a man of faith and not long after that um, decision to 
forego guys that didn't have that quality, lovely though they may be. Um, my beautiful husband, Cam, came into my life and we were married and have been married now for nearly 23 years and have three beautiful children. I don't regret that decision. Jesus was absolutely pivotal in it. It was a game changer for me and my life since. Fast forward a number of years and we have three young children and I'm 38 years old and this was 10 years ago, so you can do the math. I uh, received a diagnosis suddenly of an aggressive stage four cancer. I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, for those of you who are medical, and I was in dire straits. Um, The tumour was over a litre in size. It was in my chest, pressing on my heart and vital organs. And I had secondaries in my lymph nodes and throughout my body, and it was bad. And Jesus and my faith was the game changer in that moment. And... um, I've always loved the psalm, Psalm 23. A lot of you all know it. It's the one about Jesus is my shepherd. Yeah, so the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He leads me through green pastures and he uh, leads me beside still waters. And I love that. And I always used to like to stop there. Because if anyone knows that psalm, it goes on into the next part. And it talks about, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I always used to like to stop at the happy bit didn't want to really acknowledge the bad bit who needs to at 38 life is all ahead of you and instead my experience was of having to walk slowly and painfully through that part of the psalm and Jesus was at my side and I won't guilt it and lily it and say that it was easy or quick it was long and it was painful and it took a long time to recover and I am a walking miracle today 10 years later but Jesus and what he brought to that was a game changer for me. So they're just three snippets out of my life. There's many more I could share with you where I really believe that my faith has been an utter game changer. So if you're sitting and able to relate to any of those three circumstances this morning, I just encourage you to take that step. You'll never be disappointed. Bless you.